Hey everyone and welcome to the Clarion Chats, a podcast for students, by students. Alright, let's dive into this week's episode. Good morning, ladies and gentlemen. Hope you're doing good today. And welcome back to the Clarion Chat Podcast. Let your voice be be heard. The podcast where your voice does matter for real. I'm Vayan Kwame, a.k.a. Big Joe, your host of the day. And I'm joining with my co-host, coming straight from Indonesia, Zoo. What's up? How's it going, Big Joe? Yeah, I'm doing pretty fine. And yourself? I'm doing good. Cool, cool. You're looking good. I'm excited. I'm excited for this podcast. I am too. You're looking mm-hmm. good today, bro. You too, man. What's your secret, man? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> you don't know? All right. So without further ado, let's give a warm welcome to Mr. Tom Thompson, St. Clair Chief Police Officer. Woo-hoo. Give it up. Hey, thank you. Thank you. It's an welcome. Thank you for coming. Honor being here with you guys. Thank you for yeah. coming. We're yeah. so excited. So excited. So um can you can you please introduce yourself to the people and you know give some more information about about you? Yeah. My name's Tom Thompson. I'm the police chief at Sinclair. Um I've been here about two years. I'm retired from street policing and from healthcare policing. And uh, I also do some teaching in, in prisons. And nice. so uh, I've spent almost 30 years in law enforcement, mm. so okay. I'm here to talk to cool, two very cool, <laughs> young, handsome guys. Nice. Uh, thank, thank from you the other the side of the world. Yes, <laughs> that's it. Thank yeah. you for the compliments. You say you you teach in prison. Yes. What subject do you teach? I teach business classes, various business and uh, uh, human resource classes. Yeah, oh, that's nice. How many students was uh, like during that time? You know, some classes are smaller, where maybe there's like six or eight. Mm-hmm. And some classes, maybe there's close to 20, 20 different uh, okay. students in the classes. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Are they good students? Very. Okay. Yeah. So I've I've taught in. Uh, now this is not a knock on you guys, <laughs> but I've taught in the regular college setting before, and I have found I've been impressed with how intelligent some of mm. the uh, some of the guys that. Uh, that are behind bars are that are someday going to be getting out. Mm-hmm. And so they're, they're doing everything they can to mm-hmm. make sure that when they come out, they can mm-hmm. be successful. So they're getting an education mm-hmm. and a lot of them are wanting to start their own businesses. So yeah, very, very intelligent, uh, driven young men. Mm-hmm. I was wondering before you got your job or profession as a police, did you ever imagine that you'll work as a police when you were young, like a kid or is that your dream job? Was that the It was not. No, I I grew up wanting to coach basketball mm-hmm. and be a math teacher. Okay. And so my first several years in college, mm-hmm. I uh, was studying math education. Mm, okay. And and really the truth of it is, you know, somebody there's something for everybody. Mm-hmm. And we got into math classes that were so difficult mm. and so abstract that I just my brain didn't function that way anymore. <laughs> But one of the things I did do when I played college basketball is we would go into the Indiana State Penitentiary mm, okay. and play every year. Mm-hmm. And so I had a chance to play with the inmates and, um, and mm. really the, the, the world of criminal justice, the, the opportunity to be interacting with, with individuals who have made some mistakes or mm-hmm. people that are you know suffering from poverty or mm-hmm. other type of traumas. Um, I just thought it was a great profession mm. to get in and make a difference. So that's why I ended up choosing policing. Okay. Two nice. reasons. I wasn't smart enough to be mad. <laughs> mm. <laughs> okay. 
And but I was smart enough to work with people. So yeah. Nice. Mm -hmm. So how long has it been? You know, you're working as a, as a police until today. You were retired, I guess. Yes. Yep. I retired from a city where mm -hmm. I was a detective supervisor mm -hmm. and an assistant chief, mm -hmm. and came up through the patrol ranks. So okay. in total, we are at over 20, 28 and a half years of policing. No, yep. 28. Wow. Oh, wow. Yeah. So how does it feel like 28 when you look back? Are you guys 28 yet? I am 28 this <clears throat> August. Uh, I don't want to say that on live. <laughs> <laughs> so, so. People will assume because you don't want to say. They will assume you're like something else, bro. Uh, you know, just forget about it. 28-ish. You know? You're 28-ish. You're close. Yeah, you're around 28-ish. Yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah, so ask that question again. I'm sorry. Um, how does it feel? I mean, Jeez. working in 28 years, looking back when you were like yeah. first time work as a police. Yeah. You know, it's very different, you know, because when I first got into policing, I was younger. Uh -huh. I was in my 20s and mm -hmm. and really didn't have the life experience mm. or maturity yet to mm -hmm. really be able to look at policing from the point of view of the, 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 the immensity of the impact that you can have on people's mm. lives. I think, you know, I was, it, you know, sometimes it can be scary and mm. sometimes mm -hmm. crazy things happen and mm. you're just getting through the days and maybe it's a rush and you enjoy the mm. rush as a young mm -hmm. person. Um, but I think as I've gotten older and gotten ma more mature um, and learned a lot more about life and had families of my own and grandkids now of my own, you know, I can really look at it differently and try to lead from a police chief position mm -hmm. and really teach people that are young and coming up through the profession the opportunities they have to make a difference and how to change people's lives around. Mm -hmm. and, and, and when people are at their, you know, at the, at the, at the end of the line for them, mm -hmm. help be able to give them hope. Mm -hmm. And sometimes help take people that are bad people away mm -hmm. so they can be safe. Uh, I wanted I wanted to ask this question. Like, uh, what brought you on the path of police work? Like, is there any any specific or particular story? Mm. You know, I think just a lifelong desire mm -hmm. of wanting to make a difference in people's lives, to serve people. Really, at yeah. the end of the day, police are public servants. And the opportunity to serve other people every day is uh, just tremendous. And I think if I look back on my life, where did I get that desire to, to mm -hmm. serve? Mm -hmm. I would look at it and say it was from my parents. Okay. okay. So um, when I was young, we had people from, we didn't have any money when I was young. We were very poor, but we always had people from all over the world in our house all the time. And my mom and dad, my dad was a pastor, he was a minister. And they always made a big deal on how important it was to make sure that we were serving and we were making a difference in people's mm -hmm. lives. So I think just that uh, that desire that had been passed down from my parents, mm -hmm. which is what now I've tried to do with my own kids, mm -hmm. and I see the importance as you guys will have families mm -hmm. someday to really pass that servant attitude on to them. It, it makes a difference. Okay. Wow. Yeah. So um, what would you like the public to know about your day-to-day -day experiences? You know, right now it's very different than it would mm. have been 25 years ago. 25 years ago, I would have been driving from home to home <laughs> to call to call where people have had uh, issues that they need resolved. Mm -hmm. um, 15 years ago, I would have been investigating homicides and, you know, other horrible crimes against people. Mm. Now, 
in my position now, I get the opportunity to to leave mm. and really be able to look back on a on a on a career and help give uh, build a great culture mm. in our police department that inspires other people to serve, uh, to treat you know those that they're connecting with with mm -hmm. empathy and kindness, but also you know in in policing. You, we all want hugs, and we all want to feel good, <laughs> and I want to make sure that, and my, my guys might not be huggers or anything like that, but, <laughs> but I want to make sure that they're treating people with kindness and empathy and really helping move the ball forward in their life. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, if something bad happens here, you're going to want our officers to be able to handle business yeah. because bad things do happen mm. around the country. And so we also do a lot of training with mm. our firearms. We do a lot of training dealing with difficult people to make sure that not only can we be empathetic and kind and give you guys big hugs, <laughs> but if somebody sure. does something horrible here, that we are also able to intervene and make sure everybody's safe and well, provide a nice, safe campus community. Gotcha. It's an incredible job being a police officer, especially... I was. I remember when I was a kid. I think being a police is like every kid' uh, dream job when they were like being an adult or their like future dream job. But then I was just curious, looking back, when you were like uh, uh, first time working as a as a police officer, what was the most lesson learned that you have? You know, you've been. I think you have. Uh, earned uh, and then today that you thought that might be useful for aspiring uh, police officer out there? So I think two things. One, I like to talk to um, young people that want to get into policing about mm. all of the, the, the hit you're going to take on your mental health. Um, it is very, very hard mm. uh, mentally. Um, not only is there a lot of pressure to solve crimes and you have to know mm -hmm. things, but you are exposed and see things on an almost daily basis mm -hmm. if you're working in the streets yeah. that other people don't even know exist. The mm -hmm. horrible things that humans do to other people and the graphic nature of the results of those horrible things, uh, officers are experiencing and officers really... If, if you don't have your mind right and you don't have healthy outlets mm. like whatever you're eating, uh, family, friends, making sure you're getting your sleep, mm -hmm. exercise, could be spiritual, whatever, mm. whatever those outlets are. If you don't have healthy outlets, um, you know, a lot of officers can, can suffer a lot of uh, mental health problems because mm. of the things they see. The other is, <coughs> is because we all come from a certain background. Mm. And when we grow up, we grew up with everybody that was just like us. Yeah. Mm. Well, that's not the way the world is. Yes, sir. And so um, Mark Twain has a quote that it's, it's not what you don't know mm. that won't hurt you. So if you don't know something, you can learn something. It's what you just know for sure that just ain't so. Mm. So it's the things that we think that we know about and we're not open to learning from other people mm -hmm. um, and we just dig our feet in and think that we know the way things are, um, as a police officer you can't do that. Mm -hmm. You have to be open-minded, um, you have to get to know people that aren't like you and mm -hmm. understand where they're coming from, mm -hmm. understand their culture, their background, mm -hmm. in order to really be able to help serve them best. Mm -hmm. oh. Joe, these are like a tremendous teams that I think the aspiring police officer out there that really need to hear because like mental health, this is like 
everybody's issues around the world. Yeah, this is a yeah. Very important yeah, yeah, for thing. sure. And I'm like, uh, how do you feel when, for instance, you have observed uh, a queen of uh, a scene of crime, for instance? Like, how do you deal with those feelings and emotions? Yeah. So you know, whether it's um, I've I've been the lead investigator on a couple of really horrible homicides, you know, with very graphic scenes. I also investigated child pornography for five years. Wow. So hundreds of thousands of images of children being hurt and tortured. And, and so how do I feel? <laughs> so at the time, you hope that you're trained well enough and you're disciplined well enough that if this room was a crime scene mm -hmm. and there was evidence all over the room, that I would come in and be able to look at this very scientifically and be able to identify evidence, um, make sure that I collected evidence and the way I needed to collect it, because my job is at the end of the day, make sure that I get the evidence I need mm. to prove the case, mm -hmm. make sure that I find whoever mm. committed the crime mm -hmm. and be able to get a confession for mm. them as well. Yeah. Yeah. And you have to be business-like and uh, in order to be able to do that with a clear mm. mind. Because mm. if something horrible happened in this room and a police officer walked in and just was like, oh my God, I don't know what to do. Yeah. And you know, and wanted, to, wanted you to hold them, yeah. you'd probably think, I don't feel very safe. Yeah. And so these crimes, it's not just that day, it's two mm. years later when you're prosecuting those in court. So mm. you have to really be very meticulous and businesslike. Mm -hmm. That being said, it doesn't ever leave your mind. Mm -hmm. You're not always in yeah. crime scene investigation yeah. mode. You go home someday. You close your eyes and fall asleep someday. That's it. You drive by things that remind you of things that you've been involved with, and that's where it becomes much, mm -hmm. much tougher. Mm -hmm. And, you know, stuff doesn't go away. Everybody mm -hmm. deals with it differently. I try to make sure I'm exercising, mm -hmm. eat right most of the time. And I think, you know, for me, mm -hmm. my faith is a really, really big yeah, part of it. To address that and, part. and how I can I can look at something at a and from a different point of view. Mm. So yeah. Well, that leads me to my next question actually, related to your investigating crime experience. Yes. What's the most cases that you've been investigated for and what's the challenges? What's the like what are the the case, the crime case <coughs> that mostly you have, you know, investigate? I've investigated where where I was in a city, it was a medium, smaller size city. Mm. So we had to investigate all the crimes, yeah. okay. all of them. And of course, there's a lot more thefts, you know, a lot more people stealing than there are people killing. Thefts, so, yeah. you, know, you have more of those property crimes than you do violent crimes. Um, but, you know, really, at the end of the day, mm -hmm. Investigating a crime, you have to realize it's not about you mm -hmm. at all. Mm -hmm. You have to do a really good job, mm -hmm. but it's about making sure that that victim has some resolution in their life, mm -hmm. um, has some closure in their life about what happened, or if it's property, it's something that you can get back for them. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And it's also making sure that the offender mm -hmm. um, if it's not a violent crime or anything, maybe an offender is somebody that you can work with and help redirect them in life and help mm -hmm. make an uh, you know an improvement in their mm -hmm. life so that they can go on and do the same in their family or their influences. Mm -hmm. Or if it's somebody that is committing horrible, violent crimes, it's important to make sure that they're in a place where they can't mm -hmm. hurt people. And you have to keep in mind that everything that you collect, everything that you say, everything that somebody else says, mm -hmm. you have to document, do everything in such a precise manner 
Mm. That two years down the road, there's some cases where I've had boxes, like boxes of evidence and, and reports mm. that you've had to memorize to be able to make sure that it goes through court. Because if you don't do your job from day one in the investigation through the day the court is, the, the case is adjudicated through court, mm -hmm. then, you know, the victim doesn't get their resolve. Um, the person who might be preying on other people, the right thing doesn't happen. And so um, you just have to be very meticulous, um, very precise mm. over a long period of time. Okay. Um, I had this question uh, at the very beginning of the uh, of the podcast. Like, how does it feel like you being a chief now? Because people can say, like, oh, man, you a chief. You have all the power. You can decide stuff. <laughs> you can decide stuff. So uh, how does it feel? And what are the responsibilities that are attached to so, your role? feels very powerful. <laughs> no, it doesn't. I, I want that power, man. Actually, uh my wife's in Orlando, Florida now, and I told her, I said, click on this, watch this <laughs> Facebook Live. So she knows that I'm not even the chief in my own house. <laughs> She's not impressed, so she keeps me humble, I guess. So, you know, chief is just a title. Mm. Um, <clears throat> I don't look at that as a, a, a badge of honor or anything like that. I look mm. at that as an, an opportunity to be able to, influence a group of people mm. to do things better and help make whatever jurisdiction you're in safer. It's an opportunity to kind of build a great culture, mm. keep people safe, keep people happy, and help enrich people's lives that are in, the, in, in your community. Mm. So that's, that's what I look at. It's an opportunity to influence. So in terms um, of challenges, what are the challenges like you have been experiencing? Mm. Well, you know, the, in any organization, the higher up you go, the more responsibilities you have yeah. that you never knew were there to begin with. Mm -hmm. mm. So, you know, you're always working within your budget. Um, anytime you're in a profession where you have people involved, mm -hmm. people are complicated. Yeah. You know, people <laughs> yeah. are just complicated. Really. And I'm not talking about just officers. I'm talking about Human. officers and communities that you're working mm -hmm. in. People are, it's a complicated business. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so making sure that you have the right policies and procedures, yeah. you're able to communicate and be transparent, mm -hmm. um, you have the right amount of training to make sure that your staff is not only able to deal with um, individuals when there's no crime mm -hmm. and be able to help walk them through situations, but also when there is crime that you can appropriately respond. Mm -hmm. So you have all these different pieces that when I was a patrolman, I was just in my cruiser, and I go to a call, and I take the report, and I do interviews and stuff, and now it's a much more holistic view mm. of how all the pieces of the department, mm. and then how all of the other um, entities, like today I was at the Boys and Girls mm. Club of Dayton, you know, how can we inter interact better with others in our community? Mm. You know, all these other in, uh, uh, entities that play in and connect to the police departments, you're also yeah. juggling those. Yeah. Chief, I want the audience or our uh, podcast listeners, you know, take away some uh, tips from you, especially the leadership traits that you have during your chief uh, please experience. I mean, 
what are the leadership traits that you will, you know, you'll give to us? And then can you elaborate one experience that highlighted your leadership traits? You know, I think as a leader, there's a there's an author and a speaker named John Maxwell, and he says that I love them. You do, yeah. yeah he's fantastic. He's fantastic. <clears throat> One of the things that he says is, you know, everything rises and falls on leadership. And one, being in leadership, you have to realize you have an enormous responsibility. Mm-hmm. You know, and your responsibility is to people. And if you're in the service business, which is what we are, um, everything that I and my department, everybody un- and under my influence, um, should be have at the heart of everything we do is serving people. So I think one would be make sure that you um, understand the the magnitude of your responsibility and two, understand uh, what your purpose is Mm -hmm. and really make sure that your team and your your troops buy into that purpose and our Mm -hmm. purpose is to serve people and make a positive difference in, in lives. You know, was there one incident that I can think of where I learned that? I think there's value in getting older, yeah, you know, sure. and and, you and as wiser. you get older, you get wiser. Yeah. Well, you get humbled a lot. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you make a lot of mistakes. You 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 run into a lot of walls that you didn't have to go into run mm-hmm. into because you just didn't know mm-hmm. any better. Mm-hmm. Step in a lot of holes that you didn't see that now I'll see them. Mm-hmm. And so I think that, you know, there's value in getting older, but I think really at the end of the day, what mm-hmm. that does is it, it humbles you. Okay. Quick question. Yeah. So um, the advice the, uh, the youngster out, st- out there is make a lot of mistakes so you'll, you'll learn from it, isn't it? You know, I would say, you know, don't purposely make a lot of mistakes. That's it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah. don't don't That's say it. don't say something like, "Hey, I'm just going to go do whatever I want and, <laughs> and then I'll just learn from those mistakes." That's I mean, if you know right from wrong, yeah. do the right thing. Yeah. But what what you are bringing up is so important and I think it's really important for cuz we all will fail. I'll fail gotcha. oh. 20 years from now I'm going to yeah. fail. Yeah. But it's failing forward. Forward. Yeah. So nice. keep moving forward. Mm-hmm. So fail, but fail forward. Get up, keep moving forward. And I listened to a speaker not long ago talk about if you keep moving, <laughs> failure has a hard time keeping a hold of you. That's mm. powerful. So so keep moving, keep walking, get up, um, be resilient, but don't be afraid to fail because yeah. you're not going to get mm-hmm. nobody gets anywhere great without failing a lot. That's, it. That's powerful. And, uh, but just fail forward. Thank nice. you, thank you for those words of wisdom. Um, I I want to address um, your nonprofit because I read an article about you, and they mentioned your nonprofit. So um, can you tell us more about uh, your nonprofit and how did uh, the idea generated in your mind? Yeah, my my oldest son is from Central African Republic, and so when he came to the United States, uh, my wife and I we had a very up close, first hand look at how hard it was for somebody to um, come into a new culture mm-hmm. and have to learn a new mm. language and just come do it all from scratch and integrate and be successful in America. Mm. And then some years after that, I have uh, made a lot of friends in, uh, in, in different from different countries in Africa. In, 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 in Indonesia, of course. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but mostly from Africa. <laughs> so... so uh, 
So, um, you know, <laughs> through those friendships, uh, really had the opportunity to see how hard families were having being transplanted into the United States, whether they're refugees or they're filing for asylum, the transitions and how it was so hard for them to connect to different resources, you know, even like learning the languages or getting a job or finding equitable housing or food, mm. um, that I thought, you know, I can't turn my back on it. I've seen this. There's people that are just, they're living very difficult, horrible mm. lives. Um, somebody needs to walk alongside them, and uh, that person's going to be me. <laughs> so mm, mm, one of them. There's mm. other people that do the same thing. I just I couldn't turn my back on it, which is I encourage people, if you see inequities or you see injustices, we all have the ability to say, that's not going to happen on my watch. Yeah. And so we all have the ability to say, I'm going to make a difference. I only might be able to make a little bit of a difference, but I'm going to do everything I can to make sure this doesn't happen. And so my wife and I created a nonprofit where we help connect people to resources to increase quality of life. And now we have um, people from other countries who have been through the mm -hmm. police academy and are mm -hmm. now police officers. Mm -hmm. We have people in nursing school that we're working with from other mm -hmm. countries, That's you nice. know. So, uh, and we also have, uh, uh, now we do some legal immigration um, work as well as the boots on the ground helping connect people to resources uh, that can have a decent quality of life. Mm. Wow, that's yeah. very inspiring. So it's like, how many people so far you've been helping? Uh, we started a little over four years ago, and I'd say it's over five thousand right now. People that five thousand, five thousand people that we've had the opportunity to to walk with. That's a lot. Yeah, and you know, and I, I wouldn't, <laughs> I, I try to shy away from the the word helping, mm. um, because they they're making a choice too. Mm -hmm. Like they could see this white guy. For those of you who aren't watching, I'm white. Mm -hmm. I'm the only one at the table that's like white. They so. can, I, I would say, I would well, say, you know, no, we're I mean, not racist. But, but, I think but, I would say, they would. we're not racist. <laughs> okay, but they're not racist. So I feel safe. I feel safe. I right know now. you're just. I think even you don't say that. Everybody can tell if you're by your accent. Uh, okay, they can tell. Okay. Yeah, the way so, you talk. So, so I, so I will say that you know to, you know, for someone to say, hey, I'm going to be accepting, um, to walk with this American family who's a cop and I'm going to walk with them. I mean, it's a two-way street. So, you know, I, I'd say walking with people on their journey to, to be successful in America mm -hmm. is what we, is what we do. What drives you? Love of people. Nice. And seeing injustices and seeing things that are inequitable and just not having a tolerance for letting that happen. Mm. Connecting yeah. to that. Uh, were you seeing or experiencing injustice or inequity? So that way you, I mean, you want to help people that have been experiencing or related to that? You know, I will say when I was younger, and I won't name the state, but okay. we moved around a lot when I was younger. Mm -hmm. And we, my dad took a, a, a role at a church in a, in a really, really small town mm -hmm. in the type of state that where if your daddy's daddy's daddy mm -hmm. wasn't from there, mm -hmm then mm -hmm. you were going to be ostracized. And so I have experienced, like, poverty where, you know, not having clothes that fit and people mm -hmm. having to bring food to our house and and being uh, picked on or ostracized or singled out at, 
at school, you know, because I was different or I wasn't from there. So, yeah, I experienced that probably between uh, the sixth grade and the ninth grade. Pretty mm -hmm. good. So, yeah, I, I know what wow. it feels like to get uh, be on the short end, mm -hmm. but that doesn't even compare to the individuals I'm working with that are coming from these war-torn countries where they've watched their families get killed. They've experienced just things that we can't even imagine mm -hmm. here in the United States. So my story is not as nearly as traumatic as theirs, mm -hmm. but I do know what it feels like to uh, to be frowned upon by people around you I see. and not feel like you have any support or any hope. I understand. Joe, do you have yeah. Uh, what's the name? What's the name of your nonprofit and how people can make a donation to oh, okay. your nonprofit? Well, everybody here with millions of dollars <laughs> is watching. Now, Valens Solutions, V-A-L-E-N-S okay. Solutions, uh -huh. S-O-L-U-T-I-O-N-S. And if you went to ValensSolutions.org, you could learn a lot more about the nonprofit mm, cool. and, and what we do. So, cool. yeah. A yeah. quick question before you last say. Uh, what advice would you give to someone aspiring to become a police officer? Mm, be humble, mm -hmm. love people, mm -hmm. um, really look at it, look at that career as an opportunity to make a difference in a community, mm -hmm. a positive difference in a community, in mm -hmm. people's lives in a community. Mm. That's very impressive. That's very, very, very nice. Uh, thank you very much for this, for, for your time. And mm. what is, is it like, basically, your final say? What can you say to the people listening? What can you say also mm -hmm. to, the, to, the, to, the, to the student of St. Clair College? What can you say to the community? Okay. <laughs> you know, one piece of advice I'd like to give people mm. is, you know, one of the biggest things we need, need to do is just love other people. Show genuine nice. love for other people. And find people who didn't grow up where you grew up, who aren't like you, and be friends. And find people not like you and make those connections and just learn to love people. And the world is just a lot better place. So I appreciate you guys. Thank you for asking me to come on here. No, thank you mm. for coming. Thank I you mean, for We coming. truly appreciate it. It's hey, a very. I, I, I wanted to ask you a question, a quick question. What do you get from what he said? Like, what do you get? What are the things that you can you can go home with from from his talk? Well, I hope that our listeners get the same or got the same mm -hmm. ideas or insightful stories or words that I really admire you like more. Even like I met you uh, in July, and then today I'm very inspired by you. I mean, by the story you have mm -hmm. shared with us, because like. I mean, you're amazing, amazing chief or person that I've ever met so far here in the U.S. Because you're very inspiring the way you look people at people and then the story you have shared, the genuity. I think I kind of touched by that because we're living in a world where we're, we are, I mean, there's so much different uh, in the world, people, race and everything. But then you, the way you look at it, like... It was very heartwarming for me. So I thank, thank you, you so much for the great experience that you have been, uh, that you have shared with us, especially the mental health for the people. And uh, I've learned a lot, I would say. Um, and I wish that our listeners too mm -hmm. learned a lot from you because we are really looking forward to have you for another podcast if it's possible. For sure. What I about mean, you? That's, that's what happened when you have a conversation yeah. with Chief. You know, it is some somebody full of wisdom. Mm. And uh, I remember 
every single time when people ask me the question, who is your social host? And I say, I have Chief as my social host. I say, oh, man, that's a hustler, man. You, you lucky. That's what they say. That's, that's what they say to me. They say, you lucky. Okay. And uh, I realize uh, uh, how much I grow every single yeah. day with him. And uh, with his great, I mean, he's a great support for me. Mm. And we also learned a, a lot of things from this conversation. And I definitely wrote down the, the quote of Maxwell. As we said, everything rises and falls in leadership. Mm. And I remember before coming to the state, uh, I met someone who told me, don't play with your leadership. That's what he told me. Don't mm. play with your leadership skills. You know, always consider yourself as a leader. And mm. when he just uh, voiced out the, the, this quote, it really resonated with me. And uh, if you're looking for volunteer for Valent Solutions, hey, we, 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 have, we are your volunteers, you know? Okay. Yeah. You know? And uh, yeah, that's it. So, I was, uh-huh. Yeah, I would, say, I, would say, I would say thank you very much for your time. We really appreciate your time. And uh, you got something to say? No, I was just going to say thank you. To, and then don't forget to subscribe to our podcast on Spotify, on YouTube, and share. Leave a comment below on this comment section. Just let us know what you think about our insightful yet inspiring conversation with Chief Thompson. So, yeah. Yes, sir. Yeah. So, hope you enjoyed the conversation. Remember, as he said, to like, comment, and share, and get your friends to do so. Thank you very much, and see you next time in another episode. Thanks for joining us on this week's podcast. If you are interested in being a guest or having an ad, send us an email at clarion.central at gmail.com and make sure to follow us on social media.